Prayer of Thanksgiving. By the way, what do you think of when you think of Thanksgiving? Uh, when I think of Thanksgiving, one of the first things I think of are the smells and the delight and the delicacies and everybody's special little something. Don't forget the turkey. Okay. When that's cooking, you know, you don't want to wait for it. You know, you just want to dive in. But it may not be done all day. So when you think of Thanksgiving, what do you think of? Well, uh, you know, it conjures up all kinds of things. What are we grateful for? For what do we give thanks? And when you think of Thanksgiving, what is it about Thanksgiving? The idea, the day of commemoration, or, you know, the, the principle in Scripture of always giving thanks for all things. What do you think? I certainly don't... Uh, in my mind's eye, I certainly don't go immediately to where Jonah was, but I'm going to read his prayer. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and You listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents whirled about me. All Your waves and breakers swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from Your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sat, sat, uh, sank down. To the, earth be, uh, to the earth beneath bar, uh, barred me in forever. But you brought my life back from the pit. Oh Lord my God. And when my life was ebbing away I remembered you Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I will sing a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Heavenly Father, we've read this prayer of thanksgiving even from the depths of what we might consider pain, agony, distress. A place where no one was intended to go, but a place where you took Jonah. A place that could certainly have been considered the last place he would ever breathe place of burial, as it were. And yet he said he would look toward you, toward your temple, and give you thanks. And then all that was within his power and the spirit moving in him, he would fulfill his vow to you. Lord, bless this reading this morning. May we have ears to hear and hearts to perceive and understand what the will of God was as He worked through Jonah, what the will of God is in our lives, even today. And we pray this in Your name. Amen. Amen. In the Old Testament, we have what's known as the prophetic books. The first five books, you know, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, those are called the major prophets, then the other 12 that follow along are known as the minor prophets. Uh, so I've given you a great big lesson there. Now you have to name the minor 
So you have these prophetic books that are written in the scripture, some major, some minor. By the way, it's not the size that determines whether they're major or minor. It's the importance of that particular message to the people at that time. Jonah is one of those prophets. But his prophetic message is barely even seen when you look at the book of Jonah. Yes, he was a prophet of God. And yes, he had a prophetic message. But what was his prophecy? It just comes down to basically just one small verse. Chapter 3, verse 4. Where he says, Forty uh, more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And that was all that he shared basically in the, 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 uh, the book of Jonah. So Jonah, for the most part, is about his life. It's a narrative of the actual life of Jonah rather than intertwining his life with his message. The message is a part, no doubt, of the prophecy of Jonah. But it's more important here, at least in this particular book, that we look at his life and what God was doing in and through him. Okay? So that's kind of where we are. Well, what's the message of Jonah? And no doubt, I'm sure, um, you know, uh, Jeremy uh, took the opportunity to share the um, last week the message of what Jonah is. And to me, uh, in addition to it being, as uh, the other Jeremy over here pointed out, you know, just the, uh, the, the message of uh, hope and uh, the grace of God and, and all these things, and then... Uh, 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 Pastor Jeremy shared from the Gospel of Matthew and there you, you saw that this is a picture as Jesus gave them you know, a sign wait a minute, you're looking for a sign? I've already given you a sign you're going to have no other sign than the sign of Jonah for just as he was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so the Son of Man will be three days, three nights in the center of the earth as it were so you see that there's there's some things that are mentioned, and there's great importance. And if Christ mentions the book of Jonah, hmm, maybe we should take notice of it as well. One of the things I want you to take note of this morning, as we listen and as we go through this particular book, is that the, the book of Jonah talks about the graciousness of God, how God bestowed His grace on a man who was running away from him. By the way, where do you fit in? Have you ever known the grace of God when you were doing opposite of what God wanted you to do? By the way, if you were following the world order, if you were doing everything according to the world, then you know which direction you were going. 180 degrees opposite of what the Lord wanted you to do. God was calling Jonah to take a message of grace to a people that Jonah actually hated. He hated the people of Assyria. He hated the city of Nineveh, that great city that rebelled against God, that great city that was harsh toward the people of Israel. But God had a message for Jonah. Jonah, there in chapter 1, let me turn back just a moment. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and go up to the great city and preach against it. Well, Jonah, because of his great hate for the uh, for the people of Assyria and for especially that great city, Nineveh, didn't want to take that message to them. Didn't want to preach to them. 
By the way, are there some people that you know that mm, you feel that prompting and God's calling you to talk to them? And you say, well, I don't know. whether well, they, they, they won't accept the Lord anyway. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know. You know, I mean, I don't feel like I'm competent enough or, you know, I just don't have the time right now. Besides, they're rebellious. They hate God and whatever. So I'm, I'm not going to give them any of my time. I don't know everything that Jonah was going through, but I do know that his hatred kept him from fulfilling, at least at that time, the will of God. The will of God. Fortunately, you see there in the beginning of chapter 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message that I give to you. And then we already saw that in chapter 3, verse 4. That was his prophecy to the people. But in the meantime, following up with where uh, Brother Jeremy hopefully left off last week, you see the graciousness of God throughout this book, but we're going to be finding ourselves, well, wait a minute, the grace of God sometimes is clouded by our individual circumstance. See where you are. And where was Jonah? Where was Jonah? By the way, I was, uh, uh, when I was uh, studying this particular passage, one of the songs that came to my mind, and by the way, all the songs we sung today were, uh, you know, good as well as, as far as touching on this thing. But the song that came to me over and again was, How Deep Is the Father's Love? How Deep Is the Father's Love? Well, how far did the love of God our Father extend to Jonah? to the depths of Sheol, to the bottom of the sea. We used to say it's kind of a kind of a joke when we were growing up. Well, yeah, you know, or in fact, I remember saying that a lot in the military. You know, that, that's two points below whale dung. You know, that's that's how much that matters. But look where, look where Jonah was. Look where Jonah was. He went down with the great fish to the depths of the sea. God showed His love. God showed His mercy. How deep is the Father's love? And this is a, a story of salvation, by the way, for all people. The contemporaries of Jonah, uh, Amos and Joel themselves, preached to the people and talked to the children of Israel how that God's love was extended to others as well. And But, you know, Jonah didn't want to carry that message. You know, even though his contemporary prophets shared the same message, he was withheld that. You know, it's just like, good enough only for me. I, I, I don't want to share your redemptive plan with them. I don't want there to be any chance that they would know where we stand. Okay. I'm going to take up the reading again here. From Jonah chapter 1, the very last verse, 17. So, it talks about, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. By the way, when you look at chapter 1, and um, no doubt it was already covered, but let me stir you up by way of reminder if I can. In chapter 1, um, you saw how uh, Jonah was running away from God. He went down to Joppa and got on one of these commercial ships and so forth. And then he said, okay, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and go down into the the hull of the ship and uh, take a nap, and so he does. And But you remember how the waters were turbulent and the people who managed the ship were uh, afraid that they were going to be um, 
you know, torn apart by the sea and so forth. And then they, they, they pray, they cast, or excuse me, they cast lots themselves. And by the way, I'm not saying that's a good way to, you know, that we should gamble our way to heaven. But I am saying that when they did that, though they did not believe in the same God that Jonah believed in, God was able to use their actions and point to Jonah. Remember when the lot fell upon Jonah and he was saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, well, who are you? And what did he say to them? He said, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the, the, uh, the sea and the land. And they were terrified. They said, well, what have you done? Why is, why is your God so angry against us? Because, you know, this thing is happening and the sea became rougher and whatever. He said, well, okay, you know, the only way to solve this issue is pick me up, throw me over into the sea, and, and it will become calm. And I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Wow. Wow. So he ran away from God. He didn't want to do the will of God because he hated these other people and so forth. But he still had the guts because he said he's a Hebrew and that he believed in the one true God. He still had the guts to stand up for them. And even at his own demise, he was willing to be thrown over. So Jonah showed some bravery there. Either that or he showed resolve. Let God's will be done as he works in and through me. So this all happened. The next verse, he said, instead the men, you know, didn't, didn't want to. They just tried physically to work through these particular issues. And they rode frantically and it wasn't getting any better. And, you know, so finally they just said, you know, to the, the Jonah's God, you know, please forgive us for what we're about to do. And they went ahead. They showed more grace uh, to Jonah than Jonah did to the city of Nineveh. You know, at least they were mindful that they were going to throw someone over and that would, that would be his demise. But God had a different picture. But the Lord provided a great fish, verse 17, to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This is a picture, as uh, Pastor Jeremy's pointed out from the book of Matthew. This was a picture of how Christ uh, went into the center of the earth for us. His death, burial, and resurrection as well. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. From inside the fish, where are you with God? Where do you stand? And maybe on Sunday morning, we really feel like worshiping. The music's beautiful. I get to see all my friends, and things are lovely. It's sunshiny outside. It's a good day. I don't have to go to work, or whatever it is, or I get to see my family, or we're going to enjoy lunch together afterwards, or whatever it happens to be. It's a good day. But for Jonah, what was it like? For Jonah, he was in the belly of the great fish. He was inside the fish, but he stopped and he prayed in his circumstances there, and he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And from the depths I called for help. And so he moves from the third person to talking to God directly. From the depths of the grave I called for help. And you, talking to God, and you listened to my cry. By the way, which one of you would think that throwing somebody into the sea was a good thing? Jonah recognized, wait a minute. That was the best thing to happen. It saved everybody on board the ship. It gave him 
another opportunity to stop and think, why am I running from God? Why am I not doing the will of God? By the way, one of my favorite sayings is, I came up with it, it's my saying. God's got it out for your good. If God has it out for Jonah's good, then why is Jonah running away from the love of the Father? He wants to give him good gifts. He is the giver of all good gifts. He's the giver of life. And he wants wants for us to enjoy that. So why was Jonah running away? And yet, even though he ran away and caused all this problem with the other people that he involved with his sin, his rebellious nature, he gets on this ship with these other people. God followed him, didn't relent on him, thank God. Didn't relent, caused all this turbulence for everybody else. But then he still showed him good. God gave good to Jonah. God had it out for Jonah's best welfare. He is a benevolent and gracious, gracious God. So when he said, in my, stress, I call, uh, in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very hearts of the sea and the currents whirled about me and all your waves and breakers swept over me and I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again your holy temple. Wow, for the moment it just looks like I've been banished. But I'm never going to give up on you. You didn't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on you. I will look again towards your temple. I will look again towards you. Well, you know what continues to happen. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. Have you ever... Well, how how many people know those uh, commercials from uh, Mike Diamond? The smell good plumber. Well, Mike Mike Diamond has these commercials and so forth, and uh, you know he talks to people about uh, you know the antithesis of his Mike Diamond, the smell good plumber, is Stinky's Rooter, and so he kind of plays them back and forth. And there, you know, I listen to these commercials every morning going to work. And in those commercials, Stinky's Rooter is a Bubba, one of those guys who oh yeah I don't know whatever you know this and that and. You know, can't quite keep his pants up and all those kinds of things. You think of that. That's exactly where Jonah was. In the midst of Stinky's Root. There's another guy, Mike Rowe, and you know what he has this show, talks about dirty jobs. I don't know how many of you have seen it. You know, you get to pump out nasty stuff. Or you get to, you know, put your arm in the uh, whatever of a cow to help her deliver, and it's just like, oh, gosh, you know, some of the worst and nastiest jobs you could possibly, you know, do, and I remember seeing one particular episode where one guy has this huge hose under great pressure with steam added to it, and he had to go into a giant city, uh, a municipal, I don't even, I don't want to call it a cistern, but a cesspool, if you will. To make sure he scraped all the stuff off the wall so that nothing got stuck so the refuse could be cleansed and so forth and you know, not get clogged up in the, uh, the ports and so forth so it would continue to circulate so that our toilets wouldn't back up type of thing. 
Now what you think of is, let's see, I want to go to school and graduate with a four-year degree, and then I want to, I want to be a, uh, you know, one of these kind of clean-out guys. Uh, maybe not the best. Maybe not the best. Well, where do you think Jonah was? By the way, there's some times I've been freaked out, you know, been at the beach or whatever, and get kind of, you know, tangled up in some seaweed for a little bit, you know, here. Wait a minute. You're supposed to stay calm, right? Otherwise, you get tangled more, and it gets, you know, gets... But where was Jonah? Jonah was right there. All the internal bile, you know, everything that you could possibly imagine. The smells must have been horrific. Um, it just, you know, just think of where he was. And yet, he turned his attention to God. And thank God he did. Felt like he was banished, but he said, I'm going to look again towards your holy temple. When all of this came upon him, he sought help from the Lord. But you brought my life up from the pit, the last part of verse 6, O Lord God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. One of the things I want to share with you is don't wait till your life is ebbing away. Sometimes we, you know, can kind of put it off, wait a little bit, get more sentimental in our older age, and when we need more help, you know, somebody go get me a diaper, or, you know, somebody go get me my, you know, whatever I need, my pills, you know. Let's not wait till time gets there before we call upon God. Let's call upon God while we are still in the land of the living, when we still have our health and our youth and our vibrancy, while we're still excited about our conversion to Christianity, while we're still excited about the promise of the Lord to bring us into His kingdom. Let's do it now rather than wait when we're old and feeble and about to die. When my life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Lord. We're told in the Scriptures that we're not to forget the goodness of God. That we're to remember always His blessings. That we're to remember the, uh, uh, the Lord in all times. That when times are good, etc. Remember Psalm 103, forget none of His benefits. So let's, let's remember the good things of the Lord. Let's remember them. So when my life was ebbing away, though, at least He remembered them. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. So he still had confidence in God that even though he had run away, and even though his circumstances were mired in the muck and in the seaweed of the, the intestines of this large fish, he still knew that God had control of his life, that God had ultimate responsibility for where he would end up. Jonah was basically a good man, we might say. He believed in God, you might say. He was brave, we saw in chapter 1. But he was also mad at God's mercy towards others. 
But now he's coming to a point in his life where he's calling upon God. He recognized his circumstances and he still called upon God. He had renewed faith and he remembered the goodness of the Lord. He said, you know, in verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. When we hang on to things that don't belong in God's kingdom, then we're, we're, we're not giving God the opportunity to bless us. I remember as a young boy, uh, I should say uh, a teenager, I remember hearing one, maybe it was in college, I forget, it was all so long ago, an experiment how that when there were things outside a cage to grasp that they would grasp it. Let's get the picture of a monkey reaching through the cage and trying with thin, real thin bars on the cage to grab an orange that's big or something about that size. And what happens? What happens? There's not room for, for it to, to come through. And when you grab, you know, when we're grabbing and we're holding on to things that we can't have, what does that say about, about us? Why not rather, you know, cut it in half or share it or whatever, only take a part of it? Instead, we want the whole thing. Think about some of those things. What is it you're hanging on to in the world that keeps you from fully being able to open up your hands for the Lord? By the way, how many blessings can you put in the palm of my hand right now? How many? I'm hanging on to what I already have and I'm not letting go for whatever reason. How much of the blessings of God can we get when our fist is this hardly closed? I'm hanging on and I'm not letting go. This is mine. This is mine. But when we let go, what can God do for us? What can our Heavenly Father give to us? If we let go of the things that we can't keep to get the things that we can never lose. Jonah was in that place. When his life was ebbing away, he called upon the Lord. And the Lord would be answering him. Jonah knew the reality of of verse 8 there when he said, Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. He said, when these cling to things that they, you know, uh, do them no harm. You know, I, I think of Romans 12, 2, where it talks about, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that we can, you know, uh, obtain whatever God has for us. So that your reference verse is Romans 12, 2. Verse 9, he said, But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. And then you go back in your mind's eye to what is thanksgiving. And when I think of thanksgiving and thanksgiving verses, I think of like Psalm 105 and so forth. You know, give thanks to the Lord. You, you, you as people, you know, give thanks for all He's done for you. Those things, types of things. I don't think about giving thanks in the all the all the stuff that was happening to Jonah, look at where he is. Look at where he is. And yet God was speaking to him and letting him know where he stood. What I have found, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. 
Jonah, from the world's perspective, was not in a good place. He was in the belly of the great fish. He was captive. He had no doubt wondered if he was going to be able to take another breath, and every breath he took was a breath of stink or of something rotting or of something, you know, just crushed around him or the seaweed around him and so forth. So where was he? By the way, where were you before the Lord called you? Where were you? Think back to where you were and where did you stand with God before He called you? When I read Romans 5.8, it says, But God commended His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners in the midst of of our stink, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our vile circumstances. God commands His own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what God did for us. He showed us His grace and mercy in the persons of His Son, our Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Gives new meaning to give thanks in all things, right? Bloom where you planted? Mm, I don't know. This is kind of a stinky place here. By the way, what are some of the things that they uh, they say to uh, to use by way of mulch? Part of it, fish innards and skins and whatever. Those are stinky things, yeah. But let it rot in the ground, and it turns out to be pretty good, uh, pretty good fertilizer. I wonder if uh, Jonah was fertilized, as it were. He certainly took the opportunity to grow from his circumstance. Some of us would rather blast God. Some of us would rather curse our circumstance. Some of us would rather, you know, say, I'm only putting up with this until, you know, I'm, uh, until I'm out of here and then I'm gone. Or some would just give up, resign, and say, I'd rather die. I'd just rather die. Take my life, Lord. Take my life. But God had more plans. Remember we read in chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. But in chapter 3 it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. How many times have you been privy to the word of the Lord coming to you again? To the word of the Lord coming to you again, giving you another chance, giving you another opportunity to do the right thing this time. Will you listen to God? Will you fulfill His mission? Yes, He ran away. Yes, He went in the opposite direction. But by God's providence and all the miracles and His mercy toward other people, not like Jonah, who worshipped other gods, God showed His mercy to these other people, remember? And in, in that, He also showed mercy to His own prophet, Jonah. By having this large fish swallow him up and preserve him, as it were, take care of him, as it were, for these next three days and nights. And Jonah took the opportunity to remember the Lord, to pray to the Lord, to look to his holy temple, to thank God for who he was. 
And with a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. He says, I'm going to give this up to you. And thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity to be able to, to minister to you. And I'm going to sacrifice to you. And what I have vowed, I will make good. I will make good. So he believed in the salvation of the Lord. It says salvation comes from the Lord. And he believed that. And he followed after that. With God's gracious acts. Didn't look like anything we would have pictured. Immediately when we think of Jonah being thrown overboard because of the restlessness of the sea and the furor of the winds and so forth, the waves, you know, bouncing about, certainly everyone expected fully. You remember everybody on board, right? They said, mm, forgive us for tossing them overboard, you know. But And they, they fully expected that he would die. Jonah, no doubt, fully expected that he would die. But now he finds himself with another opportunity to worship God. So he turns his attention to God and he says, I will sacrifice to you and I will remember again your goodness. Thank you, God. The vow that I've made to you, I will keep it. Salvation. Where does salvation come from? Folks, let's not look to salvation in any other. The Bible says salvation comes from the Lord. God's graciousness. I think of so many different people. Remember how Peter denied the Lord three times? And the Lord three times restored Peter to ministry. Jonah is getting another opportunity himself to be restored to ministry. I have a friend who messed up this past week. Uh, did something he shouldn't have. And he called to me. Rick, I need your help. And what can we do? Can I point the finger? No, because I've, I've messed up in ministry. Can we ask together for the Lord's graciousness? You bet. You bet. By the way, I, I hope that I would be as humble as he was and be able to ask for the same help of someone else that he asked of me. Sometimes we're too proud to show other people that we fall short of the glory of God. Jonah recognized it for himself. My friend Moshe also recognized it for himself. What I have vowed, I will make good. Have you been shown a mercy that the Lord, has, you know, some graciousness that God has shown you? And if God has shown you His grace and His mercy, and has restored you, or given you the opportunity to again minister in His name, then do it. And by the way, when I say that, I'm not saying you have to be a minister, you have to be an evangelist, you have to be a worship leader. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying as a person that has been saved by the grace of God, and has messed up like Jonah, and had to be... Uh, had to be uh, tossed out of this, uh, the, the living arrangements of all these other people just so they could survive. Are you that cancer that detracts from everybody else's life that they need to cut you off? And if you were, and now you get another chance like Jonah did, what will you do with that? With the grace of God when it's shown to you like it was shown so mightily no doubt Jonah realized, wait a minute, where am I? You know, gosh, I'm still alive. I can't believe it. 
Wow. And with this additional opportunity. I don't know if he knew when his days would be numbered, when the minutes would come to a close, when he would be suffocated and take his last breath. But he thought about that. And as long as I am in the land of the living, I will honor my God. And I will keep my vow to the best of my ability. That's what he did. That's what he did. And he praised the Lord. He gave thanksgiving to the Lord. And he said, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord, it says in verse 10, commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Wow. Wow. So we see in the circumstances of Jonah how he had sinned and how he recognized that he was causing problems for other people. And he had the bravery enough to tell them to throw me overboard and God will spare you because I believe in this God and it is against me uh, you know, that, that his wrath has come. And it is I who have sinned. I am causing you the problems. And so he humbled himself even before these other people that didn't even believe in God. And he called upon the living God, recognizing that he himself was a Hebrew and that he believed in the one true God, the only God that could save these people. Throw me overboard. And he was brave enough to take those consequences and accept what would transpire after that. But God, in his mercy... Now, by the way, what did God do? He didn't just scoop him up and set him on a throne someplace. He didn't just say, okay, so uh, now you're immediately in Nineveh. No. didn't happen that way. And sometimes you and I don't want to go through the circumstances that God has uh, planned for us to restore us to ministry. There are steps. You're not immediately the worst sinner in the world running away from the will of God and then all of a sudden, you know, you're preaching at the largest church in the world. It doesn't happen that way. So you see those steps. Day one, night one. Day two, night two. Day three, night three. And what were those circumstances like? Again, we're talking in the belly of the great fish with everything that is swirling around him with the seaweed and the other nauseous elements of any great... uh, fish's belly. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. But he called upon God. He looked to his holy temple. He cried to the Lord and the Lord heard his cry. Salvation comes from the Lord. He believed God and he called upon God and the grace of God was, was with him. The Lord commanded that great fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Got out of that mess. By the way, do you think he went to Neiman Marcus immediately thereafter? What do you think he looked like? What do you think he smelled? Oh, Jonah, what did you do? You know, he's looking at himself. What What did Jonah have to do? He had to clean himself up. Make himself preventable. Fall prostrate before the Lord. Ask for the Lord's forgiveness like he did in the the belly of the great fish. Recognize that salvation comes to him. Keep his vow that he said he would look to the Lord's temple and remind people that salvation comes from the Lord. That's what he did. That's what he did. It didn't immediately happen where he's 
all cleaned up. Oh, okay, I'm cool now. No. There's a process. And by the way, that process comes differently for everybody. By the way, I don't know of anybody else on the earth that has ever been swallowed up by a great fish, stayed there three days and nights, and then was spit up on dry land. Except Jonah. So Jonah's circumstances were uh, specific to him. But your circumstances, though there may be some similar motif, is different for you. And whatever God is calling you to go through, whatever your three-day ordeal is, if it's three days, three months, three years, or 30 years, whatever it happens to be. I look at the prophet Jeremiah. For 40 years he preached without one convert. For 40 years he was faithful to the Word of God and preached the judgment of God. And how many converts did he have to Judaism? How many converts did he bring to God? None. None. But I wouldn't call him ineffective whatsoever. He did the will of God. He did what God called him to do. Jonah, likewise, did what God called him to do. And so the question we ask today is what is God calling you to do? What would God have you do? Where are your circumstances have you just been swallowed by the fish or you haven't, maybe you haven't been thrown overboard yet? Maybe you're still in the process of running away from God. And if you're only in the process of running away from God, there's time to stop and turn around and face what God has you to face. Go back and do the will of God. You don't always have to go through all the circumstances. And sometimes for some people, they demand everything. They, you know, they're just not going to get the message until they're at the bottom of the sea like Jonah was. But for you, but for you, at any juncture where there's an opportunity, turn around and go back. Thank God Jonah got the opportunity. Even though he, was, he had fully intended not to do the will of God because he was not only running, he was sailing away in exactly the opposite direction that God was calling him. But God brought him back. God brought him back. And God will bring you back. Where are your circumstances? At the beginning? Have you already been swallowed? Maybe you're back on dry land, you're taking stock of your circumstances. Ooh, is this what I look like? Ah. But you're lucky to be alive. You're fortunate to be there. And with all that's within you, will you keep your vows? Will you call upon God? Will you shout out the salvation of the Lord, that it comes only from the Lord? Will you remind people that you belong to God? Even in those difficult circumstances, oh, are you one of those born-again Christians? One of those, uh, you know, believers, or whatever they call it? Oh, you probably go to church, huh? Yeah. You know, well, I don't need a crutch, you know. I'm self-sufficient. Really? Do you have a message for them? And what would it be? The Lord commanded. Who did? The Lord commanded that the circumstances surrounding Jonah would place him back in a position where he could minister to God. God will command 
if we turn to Him, will command that your circumstances will give you that opportunity to again worship, serve, and honor your Lord. Take you from that place of ugly and dirtiness to a place where you'll be cleansed and made whole to worship and honor the one true and living, only and living God. That's what I wanted to share with you this morning. Blessed be the word of the Lord, and we look forward to chapters 3 and 4. A couple of more weeks, we'll get to enjoy the message that God had for the people in and around the time of Jonah, for the example that he set in and through the life of Jonah, and for what he's going to do for us.